I'm Mark Gagan, and you're listening to the Voice of Insurance podcast, produced in association with Advantage Go, enabling enterprise-scale underwriting through a single pane of glass. Today's guest is someone with a fascinating story to tell. Today, Anthony Eritokritu is the CEO of Ardonna Specialty, but he's ridden the Ardonna story all the way from its origins into the debt for equity swap for troubled UK retail consolidator Towergate in 2015. Ardonna has since been on a journey to build its specialty and international operations, which included 2021's transformational deal to buy the newly formed Corrent Global Group, comprising the brokers Ed and Besso. The organic and inorganic investment continues at high speed. Over the last eight years, perhaps the only part missing from this story has been a clear narrative from the broking group itself. It's given the impression that it's too busy with its head down to worry about what others might think of it. Ardonna seemed happy to leave a vacuum that many of its peers have been eager to exploit. It's fair to say that media coverage of the group in the past few years has been checkered, with as many negative stories of team defections as positive ones around new hires or acquisitions. Well, this podcast gives me the sense of being the start of the group getting out on the front foot. Ardonna Specialty has consolidated its many brands into Price Forbes and Bishopsgate, and Anthony has a very positive growth story to tell. As a former CFO, He's absolutely on top of the numbers and strategy, and we have a very detailed discussion about the economics of scaling up an expansive broking platform. He's excellent company, and as someone who arrived to rectify one of UK broking's most serious missteps, here is someone who knows in great detail how expansion should not be done. Here we learn how he thinks it should be done properly, and given his unique experience, it's really worth hearing him out. There's a lot to learn, and plenty of myths to be exploded. Enjoy the podcast. And welcome to The Voice of Insurance. Thank you, Mark. It's great to be here. Well, for anyone who doesn't know you, why don't you just give us a quick rundown of your career highlights to date and how you came to this current role? Sure, Mark. I've been lucky enough to have a number of roles in different industries, all the way from telecommunications, travel, and then finally into insurance. And I spent close to 10 years in RSA, in the personal lines business in the UK, on the executive team of the UK. And most recently, the CEO of Adonis Specialty, which is the largest independent wholesale broker in the UK. And I joined the Adonis Group actually before Adonis was created. The original Towergate turnaround is where yep. I started. And you were CFO? I was CFO at RSA, and I came into the Towergate business and the then MGA, Towergate Underwriting MGA, worked yep. with Adrian Brown, who was the CEO of RSA. And we worked very closely at RSA. He was the man that brought me across here to come and work in Tauga and do the turnaround. He said, I'd have a fabulous time. And I did. And I have. So we spent the early years fixing Towergate, turning around the underwriting business. And I've had a number of roles across Sedona. So I've been here since end of 15, early 16. And it wasn't really about Towergate for me, if I'm honest. When I came in, a number of us talked about something bigger than Towergate. And so we already had visions of an Adonna type business in the early days and purchased a number of companies sitting on the side of the Towergate business at the time. And we created Adonna in 2017. Yeah. And that was the sort of starting point of this group effectively. So we've been going for about five years as a group. And I've been in the specialty business for just over four years. As the CFO and managing director at the time, we had Price Forbes and Bishopsgate. And then really, as we looked forward in 2021, the acquisition of the BGC deal. Yeah. Current global. Current global deal, which I led from the Adona side. And 2021, end of November, we completed and I then took on the CEO role early 2022. 
Yes, we'll go into all the details of yeah. that. But it was interesting you were saying that you had this idea between you that there was a business you wanted to build. What is that business and how far are you along that road then? Sure. So I think my joining in 2018, I also knew that our specialty business, we wanted to create a larger scale platform. And the first few years of that was really spending time around professionalizing, stabilizing the foundation, really. Because really, Towergate was a very much a UK general insurance broker. Focused And not UK. really on the specialty side. Not really. We had a small Towergate specialty business. With but then you were producing a huge amount of business for different London wholesale brokers. Absolutely. All through our Towergate portfolio, effectively. Yeah. So when I joined the specialty business, it was largely Price Forbes with that small old Towergate London market business forming part into Bishopsgate. So we had two businesses at the time yep. and focused a strategy of vision was needed, which we did. We spent time getting the specialty platform ready for an acquisition, really. That was the goal here because we were the smallest part of the group at the time. I think we would have been around 20% of the size of the group at around end of 18, early 19. And, you know, our ambition was to be much bigger than that in the specialty world. David comes from a wholesale background and international background. And that was our discussions, you know, end of 18, early 19, that we need to create the next platform for a large independent specialty wholesale broker. You've mentioned that current global acquisition. So that brought those legacy brands of Ed, Besso, Peak, which was a new aviation broker just started then, and probably some other ones I've forgotten about and probably bits of old Cooper Gay that we've forgotten about. You said you had two businesses to start with. It's almost like you've gone back to the original two, haven't you? 2018. Yeah. So I think the early thesis and when we were looking at the BGC transaction, you know, it was all about leveraging our platform and driving for scale. I think that was the thesis and vision behind doing the BGC transaction. Our clients were very focused on the fact that we had many different teams within that acquisition. Once you pull everything together, 14 brands, I think, in total. So yes, you're right. Some, you know, sort of original Cooper Gay, Peak, Besso, Ed, and there were other smaller brands in between. Yes, absolutely. So the thesis was always to get to a succinct structure. And the structure that we discussed before the acquisition was really the structure was embedded already. The open market programs and wholesale international structure that sat within the specialty platform prior to the BGC transaction. At that point, we had two client-facing brands, Price Forbes and Bishopsgate. And through the process of this acquisition and integration, we spent quite a lot of time, Mark, looking at our brands externally with a third party. You know, what's the value? Talking to markets, clients. Tell us what you are seeing, what you're thinking about our brands. And that was the sort of start of the thesis of which is the most powerful brands for a sustainable future. I suppose Price Forbes has been around since the 19th century. It's over 100 years old, internationally well seen, accepted, etc. And, you know, part of this integration, the last 12 months, Mark, has been around, you know, a bit of a refresh for the Price Forbes brand. We knew we were going to do that. I thought once you get everybody on board and we've gone through the integration highly successfully, you know, the brand rationalization and the open market programs slant to our structure has been very welcomed by our markets and our clients. And that was the main thesis of our original strategy. Obviously, in between all of that, we had 1,500 people to better understand, spend some quality time with, and get everybody on board with our vision for the future, which is really focused on that open market price Forbes and the programs, binders, facilities, and the Bishopsgate brands. And we've been highly successful over the last coming months. I would say March this year was our first sort of release to the markets and clients, you know, sort of get together with our 1500 people off site. 
talking them through our vision, where we're going, what we've done in the past, why we are successful in what we're doing. And it was very well received by 1,500 staff. So I see specialty, the new specialty per se, really began in March 2023 because the integration's taken a year. So we've come out of that. And uh, as I said, we had a phenomenal 2022, despite the integration, and I know all the external sort of focus, but double-digit growth, high margins, exactly what we expected to achieve, we achieved. And we're having a great H1 in terms of performance, probably the best we've ever had. So really sort of stands behind that original strategy, the thesis we sort of started with in the early days, continuing forward. And often we as journalists, we have to sort of say sorry because we only report on things when people leave. Sure. Often it's the story of the so left. And obviously when you're integrating, it's almost inevitable that some people are going to see opportunity elsewhere and say, well, this isn't going to be for me or no, I don't really buy into that particular vision or whatever yeah. it is, or that they're going to retire. They thought, well, why don't I just retire a year early or something? They don't really fancy it. But I read somewhere that over this period, you were a net hire, so you, we might look at a series of headlines of people leaving, but it looks like you actually put on more headcount during this period anyway. You've actually hired more people than on a net basis than left. Totally. I think to date, we've hired about 300 people. We don't talk a lot about that, actually. <laughs> it's very and hard because if they're all junior or they're mid-ranking, you can't put out a press release every single time you totally. hire someone. So, you know, again, I think, as you said, I think externally, there's been a lot of focus on the levers. But actually, we've had some phenomenal joiners and, you know, over 300 people. We One of the things I need to do better in is talking about our story. And that's why we're here, aren't we? Which is It is the beginning of a process. And yeah. we can perfectly understand why you had your head down and yes. more likely to be looking internally than you have been externally in the last two years. Because Absolutely. you must be incredibly busy. Part of the job I love the most, Mark, is actually hiring and meeting talent and investments and acquisitions. So it's been a great turnaround for us. I think this first half, I spent probably 80% of my time with talent, nurturing our talent within the business, but also new talent. Now, if I think back to last year, it was a complicated process for any individual or any person looking at Adon, especially from an outside-in perspective. Now that we've gone through the integration, now that we have simplified our structure, the brands are all cohesive, it's much easier talking to talent. And actually, we have a bar wave of talent joining us. As I said, I spent probably 80% of my time talking to new, new and current talent, which is what I love the most about being a CEO, actually. Do you think the emphasis now is going to be for you, now you've got this platform, you've built a platform, it's got absolute critical mass. It's a large specialty broker that cannot be ignored in the London market. It's very difficult to measure. No one's brave enough to actually do a proper top 10 because they'd probably get shot at if they ever did. I, I know because it's very hard to get those numbers or it's very hard to get those numbers out of Lloyd's, for example. They often say broker A, broker B, broker C, and we have to try and guess who they are. One day someone will crack it. But obviously you've done a huge amount of M&A, but also yep. a huge amount of hiring. It still sounds like you're still on the growth and investment stage. As a CFO, you're going to be looking to slow down on that front and start to improve the margins. Sorry to interrupt in mid-flow, but this is just a reminder that you could be advertising right here, right now, and getting your message directly into the ear of key decision makers in the insurance industry. And you'll be doing it while they're absolutely in listening mode. The Voice of Insurance has just run through 300,000 downloads. If each of those had had a 60-second ad in them, that would make 83 hours of talking to the industry for a fraction of the cost of alternative media. The podcast is the medium of the future, and so is audio advertising. Contact me on mark at thevoiceofinsurance.com, and I'll do everything I can to get you started. No, I think, firstly, we've always had real focus on organic growth. So despite integration, despite all the acquisitions we've been doing, 
Adonna is an organization. We, we talk to three pillars effectively, organic, inorganic, and operational excellence. And despite all the acquisitions people may see, we have a very strong new business retention focus. We also have a very strong outside in looking at talent, people wanting to come and join us. We have a phenomenal equity plan that sits across the organization, which you know we've all shared in. So all these pieces coming together really make us quite a formidable organization. We're not gonna slow down on the investment side of things. I think that's, that's a given. The interesting thing about Adona, and particularly Adona especially, is we've spent a lot of our time getting the platform ready for success operationally and clearly through this integration of the current global businesses. That's enabled us to have a phenomenal set of results in H1. We have long-term capital behind us and effectively I can see us continuing to drive the inorganic part. Our organic excellence is really good. We had double-digit growth for H1. A large proportion of that was organic. Because if you think about putting all these teams together, we have a bedrock of excellence that sits behind our specialisms. Lots of bench strength now coming together. If you think about last year, we had five energy teams and four casualty teams. Underneath these teams now, we have a leader. The bench strengths all come together. So you put this together and then you think about how everyone's connecting the dots. Now you could say you could go to head to head with any broker because you've got as strong and as deep a team as anybody. Absolutely. And I would say we've probably one to three on most of the big ticket items. As an independent broker, we sat with Lloyd's. You know, we've got seven billion of premium flowing through the market now. That's going to look closer to eight billion by the end of this year. So we are a formidable organization. And I think part of the next phase, our vision is to leverage that capability, leverage the market placement. And, and we spend a lot of time now working with our carriers, with Lloyds in terms of how do we best get the best out of our 8 billion flowing through the marketplace for our clients. So that's the next stage of our sort of organic excellence part of the journey. So I know people will look at Adonna, Adonna especially, and go loads of inorganic going into the organization, but we're equally as focused on organic and operational excellence. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to do these acquisitions and place them into the platforms that we have today within the Adonna group. You have to be doing everything all at once. You, you can't, can't just keep do still. one thing, then do another. You can't keep still here. And I, you know, I've been here, what, sort of close to nine years. I've had a number of different roles. We don't keep still, but we have a lot of fun. You know, I was with Rob Roll today with one of our carriers, and we talk very cohesive. We, we never prep for these meetings, but we're all very connected as an organization. And I think that's what really makes the Adana Group, you know, the fact that we are very interconnected. And it's all about value for our clients and creating more value for everybody within the organization. We, we look at that very closely when we're looking at targets or acquisitions, you know, the cultural fit, the alignment with our platforms, with our vision, our strategy. And we're quite diverse. You know, if you think about the Adana Group in 2017, we had sort of a personal lines broker, an advisory broker, and especially business, all within the Adona group. Now, that's not normal in an insurance broking sphere, effectively. So that's enabled us to sort of set ourselves apart from some of our competitors. And we've been going, what, for five years? And what, 600 million of profit? It's been a ride. We never keep still. Yes, and on that, sometimes it feels, looking from the outside, you think, well, surely every bit of M&A of any kind of significance has already been now done within the London wholesale space. Yes. Do you think that's true now? No. <laughs> well, we've just 
the early part of this year, completed an Oxford insurance, right? So um, yeah, because a small broker, a small but not that small actually. Yeah, yeah. So 150 people, and actually they'll come onto our platform, and they've just joined us in this building. So I think we've got a highly successful integration plan now. And I think one of the things I'd say about wholesale integration, there's no playbook for people. I think if anyone thinks there's a playbook, here, you go from A to Z on an integration within a wholesale London market business, you might as well throw it out the window. I think it's about getting to know your people, your talent. And we've got a platform that I believe can continue to scale. And I do think there are small brokers, there are also medium-sized brokers, and there will be a large transformational deal out there in the future, no question about it. I suppose because the other peers have also probably been the products of different M&A themselves, they've got to a certain scale. But do you see that at some point one will acquire the other or two will merge? I think p- possibly. Consolidation continues, doesn't it? Whether it's in the US. It never really ends. It never really ends. And I think from my perspective, I think it's very much about excellence, I think. If you have the best talent and you drive the best margin, or at least good margins, you collect your cash, and you deliver on organic growth, you have a sustainable business. And those are the three key areas which I think continues to drive us into that sustainable, long-term future. And, and we've got Madison Dearborn and Highbridge that have been here since pre-Adonna, you know, the Towergate days, in yep. terms of what they have. They've been part of this group. And they let management get on with things, Mark. The one thing I'd say is it's a very highly independent management team here, trusted to deliver and execute. And why wouldn't you? You know, five years in and we've created this group, the scale and diversity and the excitement we've brought to the table, I think is just something quite different. Keep going back to that vision. So is the vision to be completely global? As a specialty business, it's often a question, perhaps in the early days of Ed, part of that vision was to make sure that they were in every hub globally. If there were other wholesale insurance hubs to be, do you share that vision? So I think we've already got a number of wholesale international businesses. What I see is sort of real focus in terms of Asia Pac. You know, we've got a Singaporean business, which I see Singapore being an area we'll continue to invest in. LATAM, we have a big operation on LATAM. Yep. I think the areas we're in will continue to invest. I don't want to put flags up everywhere globally. I think we're definitely becoming more of a global. We're top 15 global broker in the we're world. Probably ex US. Ex US. That's right. We're, you know, we're not going to do anything in the US. So I would say we're already starting to be a top global broker. Our international arm is very exciting. I think the two areas of real focus and growth will be the specialty business and our international global business. And how's that going to work together? That's the group buys perhaps retail operations around the world. Are those businesses that you already know and you're looking to integrate more with and make sure that they use you when they come to London? So we are very connected as an organisation, particularly with the international arm. Between specialty and international, you're now about 45% of the... Yeah, of, it's the of, biggest of growth area right now. Just, I you're think 25 and international about 20. Was 2022, wasn't it, the numbers, right? So I think we're probably a little bit bigger now, but roughly around that size. And I think international us will continue to grow. And we're very connected, Mark, because... Partly when we see an interesting asset globally and when they see an interesting asset, we come together and agree how do we best leverage the London placement. Now, obviously, this is all about ensuring we, number one, we have the capabilities. Number two, we have the best interest of the client at heart. And we're not going to win all of that. We don't so mandate. So you don't sit around mandating stuff. No, we no. don't mandate because I think we believe that we don't need to mandate. If we don't have the capabilities, we'll go get the capabilities. That's one avenue. Well, suitably ask them, who are you currently using in London? And are you really happy with them? Should we try and hire them? <laughs> Absolutely. And I think we all do that, don't we, in terms of getting the right capabilities into our organisation. 
But I think we are already winning from our international expansion. We've spent, you know, Invest, MDS, there's a number of key sort of assets we've purchased and we work very closely as a team. And I think the Adona Group as a whole is very interconnected. The CEOs led by David, we spend a lot of time together talking about the value that we can create together. How do we maximize that interconnectivity with purchasing an international asset? And my team and the international team spend a lot of time together working on how do we address that? How do we leverage an acquisition internationally? And you know who goes and buys it and why? So strategically for wholesale, we'll keep the hubs. And obviously if there's an opportunity in the region we wanna go in and that works really closely with the international team, we'll do that together with them. But I'm not in the game of just opening up flags all over the world. I think people have tried that before. I think it's very targeted, it's very strategic. It's gotta mean that London and international work together. Otherwise, it's one flow and it needs to be connected to the broader strategy would be my view. So you can't just be an asset manager that owns a load of assets that are all perfectly good, but don't connect to each other. You want to turn it into something that's slightly greater than the sum of its parts. Absolutely. And I think that's the Adona story, right? Which is getting out there more and more, which is how do you go from where we were in 17 to the scale and size of this group in 2023? That's largely because we spend a lot of our time understanding how we can maximize the value across the global stage with our UK assets. And that's what we do as a team. And we do it very well. And when you talk about the platform, building that platform and making it fit for purpose so you could go out and really scale. Yeah. What about the technical side of that? Is that IT, digital investment? Is that a big part of it these days? Totally big part. I think there are three areas we spend a lot of our time focused on. I talked a little bit about it earlier on. So it's obviously the new business and it's the organic side. And then it's the sort of technology side. We were fortunate enough to spend a lot of money investment into technology pre the pandemic, which sort of set us in good stead through that period. You know, we have something called Edge, which is really a client solution. And we're heavily investing in that portfolio right now. We also, when we acquired the BGC assets, we inherited their trade ed capabilities. Absolutely, won a few prizes. Which won a few prizes. That's all about the market. So now we've got a bit of a coming together of a market client technology solution that will open up a whole new expense to our clients and to the market. So we're pretty excited. As the CEO of Adona Specialty, I spend quite a bit of my time ensuring that the investments are going into that. Everyone talks about AI and data. And so that, that's exactly what we're doing. You know, the technology layer with the client in the market and then our data. So we have a data center in Ireland with part of the Adona Group. And so we're leveraging the data. If you think about the acquisitions and the scale of our acquisition in the specialty business, we've gone from you know, sort of 400 to 1,500 people, 8 billion of premium flowing. So a lot of data points in that yeah. rich data, which we're harnessing as we speak. Once you get to that sort of scale, a big part of leveraging what you're doing and making yourself more efficient, particularly now that there's also capacity that is lining up in this way, with this kind of follow form Absolutely. capacity we've seen from other brokers, we should be expect similar things from you, sort of portfolio style deals to say, well, 12% of all our portfolio is already placed and it's the vanilla part of our portfolio, easily done. Absolutely. All job done and, and we don't have to worry about it again. So we've already got something in place called Lectio. I wish it was that easy, by the way. <laughs> no, um, it's important. You know, I, I take my hat off to all of you. I don't know how you do it. Well, I think we've, you know, we've got a great placement team and Ron Hayes joined us, I think two months ago. We've got Mark Stevenson coming in from Liberty. So we've got a really high-end placement team. And we also have some solutions that are already in place, you know, Lectio, which talks about follow capacity across all our specialisms. So as we've grown up with this acquisition, 
as we've sort of got to the scale we have, we have huge opportunities in the sort of facilities, follow capacity, working with our insurers in terms of providing our clients with better solutions. And I think watch this space. We're spending a lot of our energy into that with the data team behind them. So as much data as we can harness and provide our carriers and our placement teams, that's exactly what we are trying to do now. And again, as a wholesaler, you, that could be something you could be originating better product from London to then sell out into that international. Absolutely. And I, that's exactly the plan. And we already do that, by the way. So part of our global international strategy, we spend quite a lot of our time providing those enhanced portfolio specialisms. And if you think about it, we have nearly every class of business in this organization today. So whether it's the bog standard property casualty businesses, all the way to renewable cyber energy, you name it, we've got them. So how do we leverage those specialisms with all the international assets we're purchasing on a day-to-day basis, as well as with our advisory team? So, you know, we have a high success story with our advisory business in terms of I hate the word cross-selling because everyone uses it, but really supporting each other on client deals and putting our best trading individuals forward for a sort of collective pitch. You know, we're leveraging each other in those deals and in those client pitches. If I went back to the early part of Tilegate, you know, and where we are now, we've jumped way ahead in terms of that collaboration and interconnectivity across the group. So if at the moment, yeah, I'm based on 22 numbers, I'm sure you've got the latest between you and specialty and international, what, about 45%, do you think you'd be over the majority soon? I would like to think by the end of the year, we will be probably over the majority. We've had a very strong H1 as a specialty business. It just sort of highlights the thesis of this integration, the strategy on the scale element of what we've achieved. The second half of the year is also quite strong for us. So I can see us surpassing some of the other parts, but it's not a competition, Mark, in terms of the Adonna Group. I can see us moving as an organization with the economic environment, but by the end of the year, we should be the biggest part of the group by then. Yeah, and I suppose the longer you go, you know, the UK's not the largest part of the world economy, so you're likely to get bigger. Totally. And I think that's probably, you'll see international continue to grow and you'll see specialty do the same. And there might be a part where international surpasses most of us. So, I mean, that's the exciting piece about being part of this group, that global broker, that sort of vision for us to all be a global broker. We in specialty already sort of participate in that. We have participated since 18, you know, with the offices that I talked about and some of the hubs we mentioned earlier on. So now the group itself is really sort of focused on the next phase outside of the US, that is. I want to pick your brains as a CFO now. And you're an acquirer of other brokerages. Yep. Par excellence. So you know all about EBITDA and adjust as EBITDA and, and what the difference between one and the other is and how all the different things that can happen to EBITDA that might affect its quality. Yep. So now we're in this rising interest rate environment. We've been in this absolutely incredible, almost zero interest rate environment for so long. I grew up in the 1970s, so we had interest rates far higher than they are now. Well, how's that affecting the dynamics of the marketplace at the moment. I mean, that's partly why I asked you whether you might be taking foot off the pedal earlier on. And you said, no way. Yeah. Because, you know, particularly because of the relationship with debt markets and other things, higher interest rates, obviously for some very debt-laden brokers, it might be time to take the foot off the gas and be, you know, focusing on margin and full profitability. I mean, that's a really interesting point. I know a lot of brokers are looking at that at the moment and I don't think it changes what we do. Why is that? I think because we learned early on with the Towergate days what good needs to well, look like. Well, you know the origin of this business. Yes, and we know exactly that's right. So the early days of Towergate really set this management team up 
it doesn't impact us as much as probably others. The reason for that is, I think I've mentioned it, we have long-term capital behind us. That's number one. Two, we integrate our acquisitions. That's a really important part of what we do. I suppose that was probably the lesson of Targate. That, that was the lesson of Targate, 300 unintegrated assets. So we've learned a valuable lesson. I don't think anything's new here for us. So if you look back at the early start of our journey and where we are today, it, it's worrying from an economic perspective. There's no question about that. But we have a proven track record of execution and delivery. And I think if I look at where we are sitting as a specialty business versus probably 12 to 18 months ago, I've never felt more confident that we set up for success. Our integration has been successful. Yes, we've lost some teams, a transformational deal of that nature. Of course we will. But as you said, we have a more of a net in you know, a hiring success rate than we have lost. So I think that's an important point. I think we're a differentiator as a group. We're more diverse. So through the pandemic, we felt it. Our part of the group really rose and shone through that highly relationship period where that tenor of client, the tenor of our trading teams, the relationships they had, and the sort of solutions that they were finding through that pandemic for our clients, we sat really above the group at that stage and really sort of supported some of the other areas, which were in a globally or in the UK effectively had some challenges. And I think, look, it's probably going to make people look harder at M&A, closer. I think that's definitely going to be on the cards. You know, people will take a longer look at what they're buying, the strength of the acquisition, strategically where it fits. And so I think decisions are going to take a little bit slower, but I think we won't slow down. We've got a large pipeline. We always have. We have a very robust pipeline that sits across the group. I have a bar wave of investment hires coming in on a daily basis, wanting to talk to me, wanting to understand our business. So I said, we're not going to slow down. And that's because all I do right now is interview talent. You don't look nervous. I'm not nervous. For our business, that is. I was sitting down with somebody this morning that was telling me about their mortgage tripled overnight. So this is hitting people hard in certain areas. And I think the robust insurance broking sort of industries, particularly Adonna, is really sort of focused on ensuring we can continue to grow and continue to drive talent into the organization. And that's not going to change for us. And I think, as I said, the way we've set our platforms up, we talk about our businesses and platforms, Mark, so the specialty platform. So you get the platform right and enabled for success. And clearly the wholesale world right now, there's also some market dynamics that are supporting us throughout the wholesale environment. So all of those pieces, all those pieces coming together, integrating successfully, robust EBITDA, growth organic, focused on bottom line and cash generation. You've got to collect the cash. If you don't get the cash, you can't pay your debt. So it's nicest when you see the cash coming because you know you can pay back whatever the debts are going to be when they come to you. And look, it was tough times in the early days, you know, with Towergate. So we have the walls here. And well, you certainly look like somebody's ahead of the curve. And f- perhaps, hopefully, from an acquirer's perspective, you might feel that perhaps valuations of some of the brokers that you might be acquiring might have peaked by now. That's an interesting one because I think that's true in part. As I said, I think if you find a strong management team with a robust, sustainable business, I think arguably some of those I think will hold up. I've seen some silly multiples being paid of late, you know, plus 20s and things like that. But I think strong, well-run businesses that complement strategically businesses that want to acquire them, I think they will be set in good stead. I think the smaller brokers, I think, monolines, I think you're going to see, I believe, this is just my opinion, I believe you will see some of the multiples coming off a bit in those. I think if you look at it from those two angles, I think you'll have some disparity between the two types of purchases. 
or businesses and business models. Why would Monline be worth less? I think what we're seeing is that having diversity within your business means so you can... robustness of It's name. a bit more robust. I mean, by the way, I think when I talk Monoline, there's obviously different specialisms. There are different portfolios in there. I'm talking I'm more around a diverse organization that can ride this economic wave at the moment. And I think that's where Donna and that's where especially what we have, we have the ability to see through some of that because we have such diversity of business models and specialisms within our portfolio. So you can tuck them in and you know that it'll all come good. It might not be great at the moment, but these cycles all play out at different phases and different classes, don't they? Early on, we set ambitions and goals and whether they EBITDA, contribution, growth rates, we set them early on. And so we measure ourselves against those targets, effectively targets. We know that particularly when you're developing a wholesale business, when you're developing a new portfolio, that takes time. But the ambition and the goal is always to get to a certain level, a threshold. And if we achieve those thresholds, we know we're in good stead. Now, the scale we have today means we can bring other specialisms in, whether they're acquired or small businesses, et cetera. And we can achieve those quite quickly because we've already got that robust performance focus, if you like, and client focus. So that focus continues, whether we bring an individual in, how we set and measure our ambitions, everyone's quite clear on that. Well, everyone's rewarded on it. So I think, you know, you have to have clear focus on these items. I suppose you're supplying that same lens to anything you're acquiring. You know, if they're not got the sort of margins or the growth or the organic growth that you're looking for, then they're going to be dilutive rather than accretive. That's right. And I think when we looked at the BGC deal, it was very much top line focus, that organization at the time. And they were on the path to integration. So if you think about when we sort of intercepted that and started talking to the seller, we knew we could drive the scale and get the performance metrics to where we wanted to get them, but we knew it might take time. And we knew we should understand the people, our talent through that process. So you're absolutely right. We are very confident we can continue to execute on those performance metrics, whether it's small, medium, or transformational deal size, and leverage our scale even further. I think that's coming through now quite cohesively with our results. We continue to strive for that organic excellence. That's the key in my mind. We know that broken talent is in incredibly high demand, as you know, because you hire some people and you lose some other people. And it always seems to be two steps forward and one step back. It's a people business. So what's your pitch to those people? The best part of my job, actually, is coming out of the sort of integration. I'm spending quite a lot of my time with talent. It was really interesting. I met a potential new hire the other day, and she was just amazing. She loved our energy. She had met some of the team prior to meeting me. Loved the energy, loved the pace, and the agility of solutionizing a role for her. But more importantly, she was looking at some ex-colleagues here in this organization now, and she said she's never seen them happier. And that was a really interesting point of reflection for me. And I asked her, why do you think that is? And she said, well, I think you delivered on all your promises to that individual coming into the organization. And I thought that was great to hear. It was a testament to what we're trying to do now, coming out of the integration and really focusing on talent coming into our organization. I think that promise really is about our independence, our entrepreneurial spirit, and really the lack of bureaucracy, I would say here. We're very agile. You know, the buck stops with me and my CFO and chief investment officer. Really, we're very quick at making those decisions on the talent. And the, the funny thing about this organization now, and we, dare I say, through the acquisition, we've got sort of 1,500, 1,600 people. About 37% of that is a woman. 
about 36% under 35 or next generation. So we've got a very diverse workforce now. And I think it's not only about incoming talent, it's about nurturing the talent that's here. We've got a load of great incentive schemes in terms of mentoring, coaching, something called the Adona Academy. So we're really investing now in our people across the group. One of the things we are trying to do is how do we place people in other parts of our organization, whether it's within the UK or, or globally, to sort of learn more, you know, broad leadership, broad understanding of how business works globally. And I think that's one of the things I'm spending a lot more time on. How do we get that diversity? How do we get more senior females into leadership roles. I must say, in my own career, I started in London, then I went to Madrid, and my opinion of London changed. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think, uh, I'm sure it would have. But but that's that's a good thing, right? So the fact that you go and see a different perspective. I'm originally from South Africa. My mother's from England. My dad's from Cyprus. My wife is Namibian. So it's really good to see all these different cultures and then bring the best of what you've learned, I think. And I think that's the key. And this industry needs to do more on talent and diversity. And I think collectively we've got a job to do. So that's something that I spend quite a lot of my time thinking about. So it's about people feeling like they're really being looked after, that they're going to be given the tools they need to get somewhere. Yes. And you said about equity plans and all that kind of stuff. Obviously, other brokers are perhaps better known for it. But again, that's a good reason to be on the front foot talking to me now. I didn't really know that. It's not one of the sort of top five facts I would have known about Ardona. Yeah, no, we have a very lucrative incentive scheme. And the purpose of that is to share the value with our employees. And that's what we're doing. And we'll continue to do that with this MDP hybrid management, sort of the key shareholders in this organization. And we definitely need to do a better job of sort of articulating that story. And that's exactly what I'm focused on. And I think also what's helped us, Mark, is it's the reward structures, but it's also the clarity of those reward structures and our simplified structure. I think that's definitely resonating with potential hires. No, it would have been much harder 18 months ago to say, well, so if I'm an aviation broker, where do I go? Yeah, and which brand do I go to? And, oh, <laughs> but I don't like that one. brand. And, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and, you know, as I said, the last 12 months, we've hired 300 people. I think if you're going through this much change, this much transformation, particularly in the London market, we're sort of easy targets for the noise rather than all the good stuff. And I always believe in my old CFO role, numbers always speak the truth. The noise goes away eventually and eventually in five years time, everyone will have forgotten about it. Totally. Yeah, we're talking about those kind of time periods. You know, you've got long-term backers, but backers, you know, eventually they can't just sit on paper gains. They either get income and you start paying a massive dividend or pay a capital gain to them as they sell out part of their holdings. So the only two ways they can get their money back. So are you going to be on a sort of transitional journey where you have to keep swapping people in and out every few years? Is that the way to go? They must be happy. The numbers look good, right? I mean, my investment has created a huge amount of value, but I can't get my hands on that just yet. So we've been lucky enough to have a reinvestment by, yeah. you know, so MDP and Highbridge reinvested in 2021. We also took Abu Dhabi Investment Authority in in 2021. So that was a moment in time where management and shareholders did some creative reinvesting into the group, which is a, another anecdote to that long-term capital supporting the management team here to stay for the long term. To so some of your own money as well. Yeah. Well, that's the purpose of private equity in the end. It's so everyone shares in a sort of equity event. And I can see us continuing that journey. I think the US are way more advanced than the UK in terms of those three-year cycles that they work on. 
and they've had many three-year cycles effectively over the time, yeah. largely through either consolidation or really good investment strategies. So that is something we will continue to focus on. I've been lucky enough to know the shareholders from the very beginning. So I know exactly how they work and they largely support us in everything we do. Obviously, we've got investment committees and we've got levels of investment we need to go through, but it's a very management-driven organisation. And I think I've run through all my questions, unless there's something you'd like to add. Have you got any final parting shots? No, I think it's just been great talking to you, Mark. And I think this is a great point in our vision and journey to meet and talk about what we've been doing and where we're going. Because one of the key things about Adonna and Don especially is we've been quite quiet over the last five years in terms of getting that vision and message out. You certainly haven't. If, if I give you any media advice, it's just don't leave a vacuum because all your competitors end up filling it for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we see that. No, no, it's been great talking to you. And of course, this will be part of, I hope, many, many more interactions. Absolutely. Come back on the show whenever you like. I'd love to do that. It's been great. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Mark. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, don't forget to subscribe or leave a like or a review or recommendation on whatever podcast platform you used to access this programme. These really help get the word out. Before we go, just a quick reminder that advertising slots are available here and in other places in the Voice of Insurance podcasts. Podcasting is the fastest growing medium and attracts a high quality audience of key decision makers. It's also an intimate medium where you, the listener, are right in the room with me and the interview subjects. Needless to say, that means it's a great way of getting your message out directly to an audience because you know you've got their full attention. It's also very cost-effective. So get in touch with Mark at thevoiceofinsurance.com to find out how you could be speaking directly to the industry. The Voice of Insurance podcast is produced in association with Advantage Go, enabling enterprise-scale underwriting through a single pane of glass. Voice of Insurance is produced by me, Mark Gagan. Music was written by Anna Gagan and produced by Carlos Gagan. Check out more podcasts and written comment pieces at www.thevoiceofinsurance.com. <laughs>